0: Hey friends, welcome to a brand new podcast called Forging the Path. My name is Adam, and I thought I would take this first episode to really give you a, a big picture of what this is all about and why. why. Why another podcast? Why Forging the Path? What are we doing here? And so we're going to dive right in, and I'm just going to explain from my heart where this all comes from and what you can expect in coming episodes. This is going to be a podcast that includes a lot of other guys locally in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area that I know, leaders in ministry, leaders in business, leaders in their own homes and communities. and We're going to have conversations about biblical masculinity. We're going to have conversations about how to bring the scriptures, the Word of God, to bear on all different aspects of our lives as husbands and as fathers, as leaders, uh, and and as brothers. So that's that's where we're headed with this. It comes with a premise uh, about our society and our culture at large. The premise is this. Most men, especially men, you could say this about everybody, but especially it seems true for men. Most men in our culture don't know who they are or what they're supposed to be doing. There's so much confusion, especially right now. There always has been, ever since the fall, but it's ramping up. And it seems like now, more than ever, men are battling things like isolation, distraction, passivity, and a whole host of other things those are the three that we're going to really focus on in in these conversations how to wage war um against isolation distraction and passivity for men these um these conversations are really going to be aimed at helping men become who god created them to be by forging a path forward and following jesus our trailblazer we are unashamedly Christian in this podcast. And so when we give practical how-to's about forging a path forward and, and, and growing and improving and becoming the men God created us to be, we're, we're going to do that by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and keeping our nose in the Scripture. Uh, but all, all, all of that will be done in the context of conversations and real-life stories with other guys that I, uh, that I deeply admire. Should be fun. I'm, I'm really excited. As I sip my coffee, excuse me, it's, it's 5 a.m. as I'm recording this, so I am guzzling my coffee. I, I want to give a little bit of my story in some of this as well, <clears throat> just so you know where, where I come from. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee. Both my parents are from Milwaukee. I grew up in a family with two younger brothers, so three boys uh, we had a great mom and a great dad. They, they divorced as I got older, uh, so their marriage wasn't so great. But as far as being a mom and a dad, they were the best we could have asked for. Uh, I have a really amazing example of, of God's fatherly heart when I look at my dad. Uh, we grew up going to church pretty much every Sunday, but my faith did not become real to me until I was 19. Um, so I, I grew up going to church, going through the motions, and, um, and it just, it, it was like, I don't know, God, if there really was a God, he was, he was way up there, and I was way down here, and he, he didn't care that much about me, and, and if he did notice me, it was usually with a look of mild disappointment, and so I, I pretty much avoided thinking about it most of my teen years. And and I just grew up trying to be, uh, you know, mostly a moral teenager. Uh, I played sports and I I did the whole, you know, high school experience. uh, But I avoided some of those deeper questions, probably like a lot of teenagers do today. And then I was nineteen when Jesus pretty much just ambushed me. (laughs) Um, I had a really intense encounter with the Lord when I was nineteen. I was partying a little bit my freshman year of college and God just got me. I I don't know how to better articulate it. I know that's not everybody's story. I know that doesn't necessarily have to be everybody's story, but it is my story. Uh, I had some really great Christian friends at that time uh, asking me good questions and making me think a little bit about my assumptions of what the world is like and, and my worldview, and then I was you know, really, really drunk one night and coming home and I, I was getting in fights and I, it was like, the Lord just pinned me to the ground one night and, um, and claimed me as his own. And, and I was, I was in, I was hooked. I was the next days, I, I was actually in church the next day, um, in total surrender to Jesus and ready to live my life fully for him. And so I I grew up with a, um, a somewhat Christian church experience, but it was just you know compartmentalized there for Sunday mornings, and and then when I was nineteen, it was like my whole life changed for the for the better, and I, I haven't been the same since. And it was shortly after that I met my wife Claire in college, and and we were friends for a little bit, then we. We totally fell in love and we got married at the age of 22. I was, I just turned 23. She was 22. We have three daughters. We had three girls in our twenties. We were for the first 10 years or so of our marriage, we were teachers and we worked a little bit in vocational ministry as well. Um, since then, over the last nine or 10 years or so, we've both gotten careers in real estate we now homeschool our three daughters. They are 16, 14, and 11. And we're very active in our church and um and in other places in our community. So besides the the real estate businesses, we we lead worship at our church. We're involved in small groups, men's and women's groups, homeschool community co-ops and and now this podcast among other things. So it's it's been it's been a ride and we're um we're just blessed. that's that's where that's where we're at right now. That's our story. So we've been married now, Claire and I almost 18 years coming up on 18 years. And I just have this passion for uh, restoring uh, biblical masculinity to guys out there in our culture. We've had we've had we've, we've taken guys in off the street in in, in our marriage together. Um, we've taken guys in uh, who are just going through a hard time in their marriage. Uh, we've apprenticed young men. Uh, so we, we love opening up our home and we love living life with people. <clears throat> we uh, For about four or five years, we had a house church in our living room. And I just, I I love the life-on-life experience, friendship with people. I love seeing the power of God at work in people's lives when you really open up, when you get rid of some of the the going through the motions that you see so often on a sunday morning church experience um hey how are you oh i'm good how are you oh i'm good it's like everybody's good like everybody's good why why are we here if everybody's good uh, i i i have always felt this desire in my gut to to just show up on a sunday morning at whatever church i'm in and say you know what i'm i'm not good <laughs> that's why i'm here <laughs> i'm not doing so good but but god is awesome and i'm i'm clinging to him and i'm I'm trusting in Him, uh, so that's that's kind of our approach to how we do friendship and family and life with people, and we love that. Okay, that's enough about me. That's enough about us. I, I want to really set the tone for the next—I uh, don't know, maybe five to ten episodes for this podcast—just by looking at a couple key passages in Genesis. I think they're so helpful. For us when we're talking about these ideas of of biblical masculinity, what does it mean to be a man uh, what, men and women what, why are they different how are they different and um, and what is what is in God's heart when we look at the design of all of this So we're going to go to Genesis 1 for just a little bit I have a couple key points I want to make about Genesis 1 26 through28. And then we're going to look really quickly at a couple verses in Genesis 2, and then that'll be it for this podcast, because then, then I want to start having conversations with some of these other guys. Um, and of course, we'll have some conversations with some amazing women out there, too. There's something about biblical femininity uh, that's, that's really awesome and needed in our culture as well. So Genesis 1, 26 through 28. There we go. I'm just going to read this and then I'll riff on it for a little bit. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this is a mandate from Genesis 1 that God gives to humanity. And I have several key points I just want to emphasize here make note of. This is going to be formative for where we're going in in our conversations in the future with this podcast. Number one, we are made in God's image, purposefully and intentionally. You are not an accident. You're not a mistake. You bear his image. And so do I. And I want to speak that truthfully as uh, something that confronts the lies that society likes to say right now, that even in our education systems, uh, that they, they, it's running rampant. Look, we are not an accident. We are not some cosmic happenstance. There's intention, uh, there's thoughtfulness, you're made in the image of God. And we are to reflect his goodness and His glory in all of creation as men and women, as humanity. So number one, we're made in God's image, Imago day, that's super crucial. And yet, yeah, look, I believe in original sin. I believe that I'm fallen and so are you and our only hope is in a Savior. But I also believe in original glory, that there is, there is the image of God that every single human past, present, and future bears because of his creativity and his goodness. Okay, second point. Male and female. There are two genders. <laughs> and I just, I, can, I can't believe the insanity in our culture right now that says there's dozens or hundreds of genders. It's just such a ridiculous notion. And I don't know if any time in human history that that has really been thought to be true by so much of the population, male and female. God created them in his image, men and women. That's it. It's part of his design. And we'll get to more of the why later on when, when we go to Genesis 2 and talk a little bit about marriage. But there's a, there's a reason for this that's really important for us to have, uh, especially as Christian men, and to not not give in to the to the craziness that we see in our culture. So we're going to in in a lot of our conversations coming up we're, we're we're challenging men to step up and hold the line on this. We are made in God's image. Number 1, number 2, there are two genders, men and women. Number 3. He blessed them. Then he commissioned them. That word blessed is so powerful. In the Hebrew, there's several words for blessed and they can have different connotations. And and in the English, we just, we translate it to blessed most of the time in our, in our Bibles. But this particular word blessed has connotations of, of someone kneeling down in adoration. Um, It's a word that is often used in the Psalms uh, to bless the Lord or to bless God to, to like to, it's almost an act of worship. It's an, it's an act of adoration. And so here we see God having made and created men and women. And it says, then he blessed them. So he's, he's almost adoring his creation. Like, Whoa, look what I made. This is good. I love it. And then he commissions them with the command. And so I, I like to call this a little bit of a gospel glimpse. It's um it's something that we see in the Old Testament before Jesus walks onto the scene, but it is a glimpse of the gospel, this this grace that God extends to men and women, when he blesses them first and then commissions them. And I think it's really important for us as men, especially to get this. The heavenly father first blesses humanity, then commissions them. I get that backwards. I don't know about you guys out there, but for me, I get that backwards a lot of times, just in my own mind and in my own heart. I, I think I need to strive and work and earn the blessing as opposed to working from the blessing. The blessing here in Genesis 1 comes first, mm-hmm. then the commission. And, and that's really, you, we're going to be so much healthier as men when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and, and realize and really see in our hearts He loved us first. And let that motivate you to do all of what you do with all of the passion that you do it with. But you you don't work in order to get God's approval. (laughs) God gives you the approval through His own gracious goodness. And you receive it. And then you work with all your might. And so blessed, then commissioned, we need to get that order right. Uh, the fourth point, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, this is more than just make babies. This is, that, although that's part of it, uh, this is this is filling the earth. This is filling God's creation with more of God's image, more of God's character. And so, yes, it's it's be fruitful and multiply in the sense of like increase in population, but there's a biblical mandate for us as men, and as women to to be fruitful and multiply whenever it comes to god's character God's uh, reflection in his creation we want to we want to carry and spread God's love and his his, his his goodness wherever we go and then the last point subdue have dominion uh, co-rule and co-reigning with God was part of his original plan. And we see in the end of the book in Revelation, we see a kingdom of priests forever in, in a new creation. So <laughs> this is really awesome. The Bible begins with God's people walking with him in paradise, co-ruling and co-reigning with him. The Bible ends with God's people walking with him in in paradise, co-ruling and co-reigning with Him in a new creation. And so, those are the five points. Just to, just to sum it up quickly and summarize it, we're made in God's image. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake, first and foremost. Secondly, male and female, He created them. Two genders. That's really, really important, and that's going to be addressed many times on this podcast. Number three, blessed, then commissioned. You, you have to receive, by grace, his blessing. And then from that place, go forth and do what he calls you to do. Number four, be fruitful and multiply. Fill God's earth with more of his image, more of his character. This does not just apply to parents, although it also applies to parents. Subdue and lovingly rule and reign with God. That's number five. So we're we're called to take God's goodness and, and spread it everywhere we go. Uh, there's a number of theologians and scholars who believe that the garden was was a starting point. The Garden of Eden was a starting point that Adam and Eve and their family were supposed to you know cultivate and spread throughout the rest of the world. But then the fall happened, and so I th- I think that's a great that's a great point and a great observation. Those are uh those are some of the key things from Genesis 1 that will help us set the tone moving forward with this podcast. And really quickly, I'd like to share a couple of key things from Genesis 2 so that we have a foundation right away from Genesis chapters 1 and 2 as to what we're doing here on this podcast. Genesis 2, I'll read verses um let's do 7, 8 and then I'll skip ahead to 15. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, Genesis 2, 7. The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and he put the man there that he had formed. And then I'll skip ahead to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So Adam was formed outside of the garden. And that speaks a lot as to the nature of the masculine heart. That men were formed, and that's, that's, that's an interesting verb too. Men were formed. Uh, when Eve is created, there's a different verb there that's used. Adam was formed outside of the garden from the dust of the ground and then god breathed into him so there's a there's a wildness there's a there's an adventure there there's an untamed reality in the masculine soul we were created outside of the garden and then brought to the garden of eden to work it and to take care of it but there's still that ruggedness that untamedness about our nature that's that's really awesome and and needs to be it it needs to be appreciated and even protected i would argue and it needs to be stewarded in a healthy way dust and dirt plus god's breath breathed into uh and even that speaks to some of the masculine nature of things <laughs> I know a lot of young boys who love to still play in the dirt. Uh, none of my three daughters were really into the dirt. Uh, I mean, a, a little, a little bit. My oldest one, because she she loved the animals, but you know, it wasn't. It's not the same. It's not the same as some of the young boys that I see, and I think that's that's a beautiful way of God's design. Uh, and then, man. Uh, Man is brought to the garden to work it and care for it. Those are two great words, right? Work and care for it. Now, this is before the fall. Keep that in mind. Work is not a result of the curse. Sometimes we have to remind young men of that in our experience, me and Claire. Work is a beautiful gift from God. Work has purpose. Work is sanctifying not only to you, but it also... Is a blessing to others and so work is good work was cursed after the fall but before the fall there was work and it was good adam was brought to the garden to work it and to cultivate it and to care for it genesis 2 16 through 17 is is really awesome and the lord god commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So you're free. You're free. Not a lot of men in our culture right now are experiencing that freedom that God first desired to give to Adam in the garden. At the same time, this is not an absolute freedom freedom without responsibility or consequences. Uh, quite the contrary. that This has tons of responsibility. This freedom has some consequences if you misstep. And so God says, hey, you're free, Adam. Every tree here, it's all yours. Work this garden, cultivate it, and have at it. But don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from that one, you will surely die. I find it very interesting that God gives this command to Adam, to the man, before the woman, Eve, is even created. It's as if the Lord is entrusting Adam as the leader to remember this command, as important as it is, and to not only tell it to Eve, and any future children that they have, but to also remind them of it, to live it out, to be on guard, to be vigilant. There's a, there's an alertness even here from the beginning. Hey, Adam, you're free. You are, I created you to be free. This whole garden is yours. Cultivate it and, and enjoy all of its fruit, except that one tree right there, the knowledge of good and evil. Adam is to trust the Lord with what is good and what is evil. Eating of that tree is 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 a way of saying I'll decide, God. I'll decide what's good and evil. I'll decide what's right and wrong. And you can see that everywhere you look in a, in our culture today. Men deciding for themselves what's good and evil. Men deciding for themselves what's right and wrong instead of well what does the Lord say? What's the Lord's word? What's his command? Let's let him define good and evil, right and wrong. And then let's obey him in that. And we all know how that turns out in Genesis 3. There's obviously a great fall. But the key takeaway here is that Adam is entrusted to lead Eve and any future family in this word from the Lord. Then in verse 18, Genesis 2, 18, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So the first thing in all of creation that's not good is a man being alone. This is, this is so near to my heart. Isolation kills men. And, and not just from our wives, not just isolation from women. I'm talking isolation in general. It, it is a soul-sucking <laughs> disease. And, and we, we, no man is an island. And so I've found that uh, it's not good for me to be alone. Yes, I need my wife. I need Claire. Claire. Uh, God has created a need within me uh, to 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 lean on and to, to 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 depend on her as my helper, suitable for me. That word "helper," don't misunderstand it either. That word "helper" is used in the Psalms by King David to talk about God being his strong helper in times of need. And so, husbands, you you are created with a need for your wife by god she is your strong helper in many of the same ways that god is our help in times of need so it's like the lord looks down and sees adam there in the garden and yeah he's he's walking with him every day spending time with him but he still says it's not good for you to be alone you need a helper I would also say it's not good for men to be alone without a band of brothers. That's another thing about isolation. Um, That's not necessarily what the text here is addressing, but uh, if we just look at isolation, I would say there's, there's something there for us to learn. Men aren't very good at developing and cultivating a band of brothers around them. And I don't know where I would be not only without my wife, I would it wouldn't be good, but also, also without my band of brothers. I've got Nate and I've got Dale. You know, I've, I've got some of these guys I've been walking with for over 10 years. Um, I've got a, a high school buddy that I don't see maybe once or only twice a year, but when we do see each other, it's real, it's authentic, and it's like we never missed a beat. And he, he, these guys can ask me hard questions. And in my church now, I've got, I've got men who are holding me accountable, uh, praying every morning at 6 a.m. I got men that are um, asking me hard questions, having cups of coffee, sitting around the fire uh, in our backyard, uh, getting our families together for small groups and Bible studies. And um, we just give each other permission To challenge one another, to hold each other accountable, to pray for each other, to call one another into becoming the men that God created us to be. And so isolation is deadly. It will kill you. It is the first thing in all of God's creation that he says, this is not good, a man being alone. So if you're alone out there, if you feel like you're isolated, if you're on an island and you're listening to this, do whatever it takes to find a band of brothers. Do whatever it takes in your schedule, in your calendar, do whatever it takes with your alarm clock, do whatever it takes with, <laughs> with your life and and find a band of brothers. Okay, wrapping things up, Genesis 2, 21 through 22. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And then the man says, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, for she shall be called woman. She was taken out of man. Uh, That word rib In the Hebrew, it means side. God God took from the man's side. So this is another gospel glimpse. This is super, super important. Paul talks about this very thing from Genesis 2 in Ephesians 5 when he's talking about marriage. Marriage is not about you. When I married Claire, we had a, a mentor. We had a couple mentors, actually, tell us he'd look right at me, right in the eye and say, hey, Adam, you're about to get married. We, we were engaged doing some premarital counseling. And he said, I want you to know marriage is, it's not about you. It's not about your happiness. It's not about your fulfillment. It's not about your pleasure. Marriage is not about you. And I was like, okay, got it, cool. Uh, yep, it's all. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, it must be all about Claire. I got to make this all about Claire. Got to serve her, got to put her first. But then he turned and he looked at Claire and he's like, hey, Claire, this is hard to say to a bride uh, a few weeks before her wedding, but you need to know marriage is not about you either. And he told us both, it's all about Jesus. Marriage is, is not an afterthought in the design of God marriage is designed specifically to point us to Jesus and his people. So Paul says in Ephesians 5, you know, like, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Lay your life down for her. You know, and wives, respect your husbands. And when you do this, you will give everyone around you A beautiful picture of how God loves his people, of how Jesus loves his church. When you live this way in your marriages, I mean, think about it. Adam falls into a deep sleep. His side is pierced. And from his side, God takes and makes a bride and then wakes Adam up from his deep sleep and brings his bride to him. Okay, Fast forward thousands of years, (laughs) Jesus dies. You could say, quote unquote, falls into a deep sleep. Jesus dies and his side is pierced on the cross. But three days later, God raises Jesus from the dead. And then the church is formed shortly after Jesus's resurrection. And so, this is right here in Genesis 2, another little gospel glimpse. I love, I love that. And when the Lord makes Eve, it, that word right there is fashioned. So, this is really, really important to the nature of the masculine and the nature of the feminine. Uh, men were formed. It's like uh, this similar word that a, a potter would, you know, form clay. you're forming it. God forms the man, but he fashions the woman. It's a different verb. And um, it's a little less (laughs) messy, a little less uh, tough, rugged, but it's, it's more intricate. Fashioned Eve. And so what does that say about the nature of men and women when they're at their healthiest as God designed them to be? I'm not saying women can't be strong and tough. I'm trying to raise my girls to be strong and tough. But there's this, there's this way that they reflect God's beauty that, that men could never touch. And, and hopefully their future husbands will have this way about them in their strength, and in their sacrificial um, efforts for those around them to serve them and to lay their lives down, that women don't have. So that's that's the the whole foundation of where we're headed here. Uh, right from Genesis one and two, a couple of key points. Here's here's the encouragement that I'll leave you with. That's that's that was a lot. So I'll try and summarize it <laughs> into a couple of a couple of key things here as we end. And as I take another sip of my coffee, all right, number one, I'll leave you with this. You are blessed by God with a biblical mandate to reflect his image everywhere you go, to be fruitful and multiply, to co-rule and reign with him in your sphere of influence. Don't play it small. And I'm especially, I'm especially focused on men right now. Brothers, don't play your role small. You are blessed by God with a biblical mandate. Number two, utilize your strength in sacrificial service to others. Okay? Avoid distraction. That 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 that's the key takeaway. Avoid being distracted. We've got screens everywhere. We carry little ones in our pocket. Uh, Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted from the, the the sacrificial giving of your strength in service to others. You're called to work and to tend and to take care of and to cultivate the things around you. Don't get distracted stay alert. We'll talk about other scriptures in future episodes. You, you have an enemy prowling around, so stay alert and don't be distracted. Uh, number three, avoid passivity. Uh, lead humbly, work hard. Your work is a gift. Your work is a gift. It, it's, it's an opportunity for you to form something out there, but it's also an opportunity for God through your work to make you look more like christ so don't be passive be active be assertive and take your call seriously the the passivity of so many men in our culture is is what's really really hurting us in, in our families in our churches in our communities and in our businesses passive men not taking an active role in being the men god called them to be Another one, uh, avoid isolation. Remember, it's not good for the man to be alone. Do whatever it takes to find a band of brothers. Do whatever it takes to be connected with your wife. If you have a wife, don't be isolated. It's not good for the man to be alone. Uh, The last one I'll say, um, hey, it's not about you. Husbands and fathers, a lot of you might be going through a hard time, and I just want to remind you, it is not about you. Get your eyes off yourself. Raise your vision. Fix your gaze a little bit higher. Your whole life, your whole marriage, your whole work, your job, your calling, whether it's going really great and smooth right now or whether it's super frustrating, I just want to remind you, it's not about you anyway. Point your family to Christ in everything that you do. Point your coworkers to Christ in everything you do. Point your neighbors to Christ in everything you do. And you can't do that when you're passive or when you're distracted or when you're isolated. So remember, it's not about you, but you are blessed and commissioned. So we'll leave you with that. I'll, I am so grateful for those of you listening to this and I'm really, really excited to bring in other voices into these conversations. I'll be doing a lot of interview style questions trying to draw out the best wisdom from some of these guys that God has surrounded me with. And I'm excited to share that wisdom with you guys. Bless you guys. We'll see you next time.